So, John, you can do absolutely anything. Damn straight. What three things can you do? Oh, okay, in the context of this film. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, first of all, mm. I would erase this film from existence. Fair. Yeah. Second, I would resurrect Robin Williams and give him a half-decent send-off. Okay. And so, Sorry, you're resurrecting him, but he's still going to die. Yeah, I'm resurrecting him, putting him in a better last film than this, and then letting him die again. Okay, okay. I'm just saying I'm giving him a better send-off. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to mess with you know the powers you're, that be, I'm just saying. Yeah. You're, yeah, sure, it's your decision, carry mm-hmm. on. Uh, and thirdly, I'll erase you from existence for making me watch this piece of shit. That's just mean. Think yeah. of all the other joyous films I've brought you. Like? Lesbian Vampire Killers. Uh-huh, yeah, you're gone. Uh, sausage Party? Yeah, I'm, I remain unmoved. We had some good times, John. I mean, theoretically. Uh, sure, whatever you say. <laughs> Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really, how? How bad could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the bug set. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to absolutely anything. Unfortunately, by absolutely anything, I don't mean anything. I mean a very specific bad film. Yes. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they have posted on our social media pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch up with a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most conversations with a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much true, as always. And joining me as always, the host with the most disdain for this movie, it's John <laughs> Lucas. Look, I tried. I went <laughs> in with an open heart, but my God. <sighs> okay, let's get started then. So, absolutely anything. Yeah, so begin by telling me why you chose this film. Uh, well, to be honest, I'd rather not, but... Um, <laughs> Was it personal? <laughs> no. Well, no, I, I, I just, uh, I was listening to, to Do Go On's latest episode and they did it on Robin Williams. Okay. Um, I've not finished the episode yet. Um, uh, so don't tell me what happens. Oh no. <laughs> it's the OJ trial all over again. <laughs> um, and it just got me thinking like, okay, let's just, uh, Robin Williams has got a lot of really good films. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, what? Well, let's do a Robin Williams film. I mean, in theory, that's a good idea. Yeah, I know, right? Like, mm-hmm. that sounds good. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yeah. Was well, you chose the last film he ever did before he committed suicide i mean you can't really have expected i mean i mean that's not why i chose the film. i didn't i didn't intentionally choose his last film i just was browsing through his film catalog and you know there are a fair few that we've done we've done a couple of the big ones sure and what we've not done either have sequels or like they're not really appropriate for this podcast and then i saw this one and i was like you know i think i remember the trailer for that hasn't that got like all of monty python in it Mm -hmm. oh yes it does okay and, oh, it's got, like, Eddie Izzard and Joanna Lumley and uh, other people in this, and, si- and Simon Pegg is the star. Like, okay, I'm not expecting this to be good, but I know this is going to be something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boy, was I right. Well, it is undeniably something. It's a okay, thing. Okay, now I've got a question for you. So, on a scale of 0 to 10, mm-hmm. 0 being, like, this was an aff- like aff- offending to my soul, I wish that I hadn't watched it and it didn't exist... 10 being pleasantly surprised. <laughs> what, a, um, what a mild 10. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and five being exactly what I expected of this film. Okay. 
this was about a three, maybe three and a half for me. Okay. So it was less than I expected, mm-hmm. but it still wasn't like as bad as it could have been. Okay. Where are you at? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> to be honest, mostly I just found this film to be sad. Yeah. Yeah, like... I get that. I definitely understand it that. Was, I think it was because there was so much talent involved in this film. Mm. And it was just... I don't, it was just like watching them all drown. Yeah. In terrible, terrible material. Yeah. Like, I, was, I was thinking, like, what is is this the worst film you've ever inflicted on me? And I was like, well, okay, so there's, there's Love Actually, mm-hmm. which I personally hate, but I also oh, yeah, recognise... I, yeah. I also recognise is a legitimate Christmas classic, and a yeah. lot of people really like it. And so... Yeah. I can give that a pass. And, you know, there are parts of that film that aren't completely atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then the sausage party, which was a struggle. But I, yeah, I, I can understand if you were like super baked and in the right frame of mind, <laughs> that film might be somewhat funny. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was bad. Yeah. Um, and then, I, so I, I was kind of, I'd kind of, ex- I'd kind of come to the conclusion this, this was the worst one. Yeah. But then you did remind me of lesbian vampire killers and that is close. Because the thing with this one, <laughs> maybe actually, maybe this is worse because there's oh, one I, thing that- I think, I think this is worse. There's one thing Lesbian Vampire Killers has on this and that is tits. Okay, sure, yeah. sure, sure. I'm, not for me personally, but I'm just saying like, I'm trying to think, would anyone enjoy these films or is it just me? Like people like Love Actually, people like Sausage yeah. Party. Yeah. I assume there are some very horny, very lonely teenage boys who had a good time with Lesbian Vampire Killers. Yeah. Sorry, uh, uh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, this I can't imagine anybody enjoying this film. Yeah, I wonder what state you have to be in or who you have to be to enjoy this film. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, weird. I can, yeah, I can see how I can kind of see imagine how it happened because it is a Monty Python reunion, and we'll get to what a crock mm. that is. But mm-hmm. like, I can well it because everyone in this film is is a middle aged mostly british person mm-hmm. with the exception of rob rob riggle who is a middle-aged american person yeah but most of the people who appear in this film you know simon Pegg, kate beckinsale eddie azard joanna mm-hmm. lumley or you know there's there's a wealth of talent in this movie sanjeev yeah. baskar mira sayal i can well imagine people who grew up in the 70s who you know worshipping monty python in the mm-hmm. 80s and then get told oh you can be in the first film monty python i've ever d- done since Life of Brian, or I think mm. it's a, no, what's the one? It was Meaning of Life. That was the last one they did. Yeah, sure. It's the first Monty Python reunion on film, on a new film since Meaning of Life. Yeah. Of course, these people are signed up for it. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah what, it's like why people still sign up for Woody Allen movies. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, he used to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just imagined like the depression that must have sunk in when they read the script and got on sets and were like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, this is so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> this is a film devoid of good jokes and. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the other thing is, like, <laughs> this was directed by Terry Jones yes. of Monty Python fame. Yes. Who and co and co written and co written exactly. Yes, and he died shortly after making this film. Right. Um, Did he? No, he died this year. Was it this year? Well, he died a few years after. He, yeah, he died. Uh, not, he, not, not like the next day. He died five years after the release of this film. Sure. Okay, but the point I'm making is, he before he died, he was suffering from senile dementia. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I wonder if he was already suffering. I'm not being mean. I'm genuinely being serious. I wonder if he was already, I think he was diagnosed before he made this film, but I wonder how advanced it was when he was making this, because it does feel like a film that was written and directed by someone who wasn't quite in full possession of his, wasn't firing on all cylinders. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, I honestly, I'm not saying that to be, to be mean, but I mean, I just mean like there were moments in this film that I could see, Oh yeah, I can see how, 
that's like a shadow of a glimpse of a Monty Python sketch kind of thing. Like the racist skeleton? Yes, exactly. I was like, that could have probably been yeah. a decent I can, Monty I can, Python sketch. I, I can see that. Like, oh, I can I can see what they went for here. Yeah, But it just didn't... It, it was just a bit sad. Yes, it really... Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, these, these jokes aren't landing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, and you could tell, because nobody in this film felt like they cared. Like, no. it was very half-hearted, all of the acting was very kind of middle of the road and just who was the biggest disappointment for you hmm maybe joanna lumley actually just because she's in it so very little yeah i don't know like simon Pegg is probably trying harder than anyone else is trying still not really but yeah i feel like there were still some things in this that would that simon Pegg sort of bordered on funny at some points in Mm -hmm. this yeah i mean he was given some terrible material to work with i think if he and edgar wright had written it it would have been something have been completely different. Yeah, it would have been a better film. Because um, yeah. you know this was adapted from a Douglas Adams story. Oh, is it? Like Guardians of the Galaxy, Douglas Adams. Oh, I didn't know that. No, one. sorry. Um, what? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Hitchhiker's like, Guide to the Galaxy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, I can definitely see that. Okay. So I was kind of thinking that before. Just like, I can see some similarities to Hitchhiker's Guide here. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, look it up and it's the same. Well, I guess they had similar humour. Those books have similar Monty Python-esque kind of absurdist humour. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's just that it was a very bad adaptation. I think your your theory is quite interesting on it. Mm. Well, I also, in terms of who was the most disappointing, I think it's hard to answer because I feel like other than Simon Pegg Mm -hmm. and maybe Kate Beckinsale, Mm. I think everyone in this film filmed all their scenes in the space of like a weekend. Yeah. Like every, loads did, of Did you notice the the scene with Kate Beckinsale in the coffee shop fairly early on? Uh-huh. Did did you notice how fake it all seemed? There was something completely off about it. Um in in editing can you just put the clip in? Sure. But yeah, it's her and her best friends. They're having a they're, they're having coffee in a coffee shop mm. and it's very badly green screened mm-hmm. for both of them. Yeah. And it's not even like an extravagant coffee shop or anything. It looks like a very basic set, uh-huh. but it's very badly green screened and there is no background noise. They sound <laughs> probably like we sound right now, like we're just, just recording speak. in a room. I did notice some weird ADR in this, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was bizarre. Like, mm. how difficult is it just to get sort of the, the background noise of a, of a coffee shop or just like a little bit of background music or something mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like they're just sitting in a slightly echoey room <laughs> or a warehouse and recording these lines on a green screen. Mm. It, w- it was really weird because the rest of the film, not that it was you know, particularly good looking, mm. but it didn't all look terrible. No, I did notice a similar thing in the opening scene, though, with uh, where all the dogs go in the dream sequence with all the dogs. Oh, yeah. I noticed that was some very, very obvious like ADR, like dub, like mm. Simon Pegg was having self-dub. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, it, it felt amateurish. That was like, yeah. it, it, felt, it didn't feel like a film that had been directed by a man who directed other better films. Mm. It was. It really was like, oh, you've come, you've turned up at the family reunion, and Grandpa's not been quite right recently, and it's a bit sad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that really. What about Grant? Oh well, Colonel Grant turned out to have issues. Issues? Yeah, like being clinically insane. She? Oh, maybe that's overstating it. Uh, just. Obsessive, possessive, and pathologically jealous. What about him upstairs? Oh, he tried to cheer me up in the supermarket. Oh, so he's gay. What? Well, he's sympathetic, interested, available. That's the way life works. No, he's not gay. He's very likeable. 
Um, shall I do a plot summary then? Sure, yeah. I mean, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we start off in Simon Pegg's dream. Um, I'm not going to attempt any character names. No, he's called uh, Neil. Cool. Well, yeah, He's Simon Pegg now, but just for the record, <laughs> he's called Neil. Okay. And he is an author, and he has just won this book award or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's a dream, and lots of dogs come and run him over. Yeah, he's. it's like a, the, the launch party for this book, and Kate Beckinsale's there, and she's oh, yeah. saying, oh, how did you get to be the greatest writer of all time? And at this point, not realizing it's a dream sequence, I was like, well, this is a bit heavy-handed. Uh, <laughs> I clocked it was a dream immediately. Well, I was, pl- I was relieved because I, I was relieved it was a dream. I was like, okay, that's acceptable that this is a I, dream I, sequence. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what this film is. And like mm. I say, I was mostly right. Yeah. And like, I'm very sure that the main character is not doing well for himself at the start of this movie. Mm. Well, this plot line it sets up in the beginning then because he wakes up from this dream mm. and it turns out he's actually a struggling writer. Yeah. And he's trying to get his book finished. Yeah. And Kate Beckinsale, who's his love interest, works at a book publisher's author yes. a book. And happens to be his downstairs neighbour. Yes. Oh, no, she, so she's a researcher for a book re- review TV show. Um, yeah. But, yes, but she yeah. works in the industry. Anyway, point is, the early film sets this whole thing up and then it just disappears. Mm. Like we, we never come back to him as a writer again. No. It never resolves at the end. He never finishes his book. At the end, he never mentions, oh, I'm going to keep <laughs> trying. Like this whole <laughs> I'm a novelist thing just completely disappears. Yeah, I don't yeah. really think about that. Yeah, it, but yeah. it totally vanishes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, so he's a school teacher and on, mm-hmm. his, um, on, his, on his way out of the building, he bumps into her and we meet her for the first time and yes. kind of get introduced to her. She's the sexy neighbour downstairs. Yes, yeah, the, who, the unrequited love interest. Yep, who he has a big crush on. Uh, but he's a bit of a loner. It's just him and his dog mm-hmm. um, who uh, will, in about maybe 80 minutes time of this 86 minute movie become Robin Williams. Yes. I was disappointed it took that long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically I picked this as a Robin Williams movie. Yeah. That was a mistake on multiple levels. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically knew it wasn't a Robin Williams movie by the time I picked it, but sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so he's in love with Kate Beckinsale. He's an unhappy high school teacher. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he goes to school and you see him in his class. He's, he, all the students, that they're all the worst students. Mm-hmm. Largely unrealistic, I think, of just yeah. literally everybody up and shouting and no, but not even a single person listening to the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, my school was a fairly all right school, but I just never had anything near a class like that. Yeah. This film is painting in very broad strokes. There's yeah. not, not yeah. a lot of nuance going on. Yeah. The head teacher is broadly evil. The head teacher played by Eddie Azard, yeah. yes. Um, who actually, to be fair, I did, I mean, I didn't like his performance, but I thought it was... It just he, wasn't awful. No, he's like against type, because he. you think of Eddie Azard as like very flamboyant, you mm-hmm. know, he's, he, yeah. and the way he dresses and the way he's, his comedy, and he's very like eccentric. And in this, he's playing this very like straight button down, like... And that's what I was expecting to happen later in the film, like when someone gets his, the powers... And, it, and he makes Eddie as I do like some really weird things like, oh, you were a mean headmaster to me. So I'm going to like make you do really embarrassing things and mm. yeah, dress, in, dress in pink and stuff, which is a joke they use in this later. True, yeah. Like just stuff yeah, they, like that. They never really gave a nod to the Eddie Azardness of Eddie Azard. No. Was, yeah. It was, but I at least found him to be mildly amusing. And I mean mildly. Like, very mildly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very. Yeah. Like he, he, I think he's in three scenes in total. Yeah. Yes. He's not a big part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people weren't a big part. Of this no, movie. no, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people popped in, ticked the box, said, I've been in a Monty Python movie, and then scarpered as fast as possible. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so you see a single day in his life, really, and he's just a sad, lonely man. Nothing seems to work out for him. Also, one of his teacher friends at school is in love with another teacher. So Sanjeev Bhaskar, yes. Sure. 
and uh, she doesn't she doesn't fancy him back no. at all. In fact, well, that's the other thing. She seems to be a horrible person. She seems to be pitched as a horrible person. Yeah, because this film is very badly written from a man's point of oh, view. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about how badly the women are written. But like, I just it's not how badly the women are written. It's well, how, everyone's it's, written. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's how it's, it's how badly the men are written. It's equal opportunities. Yeah. But I just mean that, like, it's not that she's like some unre- some like lovely, you know, unrequited love. Like Kate Beckinsale's character seems like a very nice person. Yeah, you can understand why Simon Pegg would have fallen in love with her, and that that's that's fine as this kind of movie goes. But Sanjeev Bhaskar, a she seems like she's probably about fifteen years younger than him, mm-hmm. and b she's actively horrible. Mm-hmm. So at no point do you actually think, oh yeah, I really hope he gets with her. Because like it, it, it makes him look worse because he's like mooning over this horrible woman who's way out of his league and is a lot mm. younger than him. Like, yeah, I know he's not like the story, but it just I didn't really think that she was being horrible to him. I think that she was just she kind was of very dismissive of him. I think she was just kind of putting down somebody who was pestering her. Actually, yes, to be fair, he was. That's that's more how it came off to me. Yeah, that's also um, true. He was he was definitely like pestering her a lot. So yeah, right, yeah. Nobody comes out of this well. No, no, not at all. Mm. Yeah, and so then we cut to. Space. Space, yeah. I mean, it gets well, we a, opened with a lot of like weird stock footage of space that went yeah. on for a long time. <laughs> um, it, it gets a little convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, humanity has sent out a satellite at some point. Mm-hmm. It's basically like Voyager or Voyager 2. Yes. Uh, satellite out into the cosmos with a little plaque saying, Hey, we are mankind. We come in peace. Here's a picture of us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Here's where we are on a map, you know, which is the thing that we've kind of done, I guess. Okay. In this one, it gets picked up by aliens. Mm-hmm. And these aliens, they. What are they, like, rule the universe or something? They are, I wrote them down. They are this the Intergalactic Council of Superior Species. Okay, that's very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, very much so, yeah. yeah. And they are, like, CGI al- like aliens. Yeah. And they are all voiced by the cast of Monty Python, which yeah. is how the Monty Python reunion, mm-hmm. you know, quote air quotes. Yeah. Because they probably all recorded from their own bedrooms, their, mm-hmm. their voiceover scenes, and these sequences are terrible. These are not worthy They're of the name. So bad. They go on for so long. They do, and it's just that the first one—it's for a solid five, maybe even ten minutes. Mm. It's not in English. Mm. It's just them making up a language. Yeah, and it sounds horrible. It's like in Star Trek Discovery season one, <laughs> where they just really—they went overboard on the Klingon language and yeah. subtitles, and it was like, oh, this, this is actively unentertaining. Yeah, like, this yeah. is this is taken away from what was otherwise a great show. Yeah, and this was. This was making the film worse with every second. Yeah. And the film was not on good standards already. No, but I was to say, like, I like Monty Python. I'm a fan. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not like a super fan, but I grew up on those films. I like them. So I, the, the, in theory, I could get very excited about having them all back together. But honestly, every time it cut to the alien council mm. scenes, I just tuned right out. Yeah. Was, the noise was horrible. Yep. There were no jokes. No. It was just unbearable. And it looked ugly because the CGI obviously is crap in this mm-hmm. film. It was just awful. I was fine with bad CGI. Mm. I feel like dodgy CGI for something mm. like this. Yeah, you don't expect much better. It's sure. fine. It's yeah. it's you know it's basically a cartoon. It's it's fine, mm-hmm. but it's just that there was nothing else good. No, well, I think if you're gonna have a film that's bad, you should make that like part of the punchline, maybe. Yeah, because it reminded me of again lesbian vampire killers, where like the effects were terrible, but it wasn't terrible in a way that was funny and like wink n- wink nudge nudge about mm. like campy low budget British horror yeah. movies. It was just it just looked bad. Mm. And it just looked really bad. And that was yeah. all there was. So yeah. Whereas like you compare it to say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I forget the um the villains' names, but uh they weren't CGI, they were all in they were all in practical suits. Yeah, which but, is like, always better for me anyway. Definitely, yeah. yeah. But you could very much tell that, oh, these are just people in suits. Yeah. But it's fine because the film is so well written and it's written sort of to sort of welcome that. Yes. 
Like it, yeah, we know this is cheap and it's silly yeah. and it's and all the it's all the old great. Mon- I mean, obviously it predates CGI, but all the old Monty Python stuff they had really ropey special effects, but that was part of the humor. Yeah, you know, like yeah, big like time. Holy Grail is full of ridiculous, like you know, the, the holy hand grenade and the bunnies mm. and the all the claymation stuff whenever anyone died. But it was mm-hmm. really funny because it was part of the you know the joke. Whereas this was just yeah. oh, I just went on and on and on. Yeah, I really disliked it. But it was anyway. too much talking. Yeah, not enough of it was in English because yeah. after a while they do come up with some reason why they need to speak English now. Mm. Yeah, and and then from there it was like okay, great. Well, now I can at least understand you. Yeah, that's the minimum I need from yeah. this. Because there wasn't even like a dynamic between the, the different no. characters. You didn't get a sense that oh, this is the funny alien and this is the mean alien. Yeah. And, you know, this is the grumpy alien. Like it wasn't like John Cleese was doing his thing and you know. Um, Terry Jones was doing his thing. It was all mm. just like they were the exposition dump. Yeah. Basically. They were oh, just yeah. dumping exposition. Yeah. By the power invested in me by the Intergalactic Council of Superior Species, I hereby pronounce a destruction order on the planet Earth. With great respect, Sharon, we should not pronounce a destruction order before we've given these Earthlings a, a chance to prove themselves. God! They've penetrated intergalactic space! Morian is right. They're clearly not a superior species! Look at the way they copulate! If these Earthlings can convince us that they are superior beings, then they may join our society. If they cannot, we must eliminate them for the moral well-being of the entire intergalactic community. Thank you for explaining it to me, Sharon. Not at all, Miss Barker. So, they discover Earth, and basically their way of judging if... Um, if a planet should be allowed to survive or, sh- or, sh- or if it should be destroyed is to just pick one random person, give them infinite power mm-hmm. and see what they do with it. If they do yeah. good, if they do good things, then they're allowed to live and join the council or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they do bad things, then their entire planet gets destroyed. Yes. So, you know, by that, fairly simple. Mm-hmm. That's the plot, really. Yes. It's, it's dead simple when you put it like that. Yeah. But they and they pick not... Simon Pegg's character completely at random. Yes. They just do like a little scroll through. Yeah. Yeah. And they always picked Sarah Palin, which would have been a better movie. But. <laughs> um, that was an all right joke. Yeah, that, that, that was like, oh, okay. I was like, that was a joke. I mean, this film came out in like 2015. I feel like a Sarah Palin joke is very much dated by that point. Yeah, but sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know who Sarah Palin is? Uh, Tina Fey? Yeah, well, yes, yeah. sure, yeah. But she oh, was, that, that's, that's pretty much all I know. She was a story in, like, literally 2008. Like, the fact okay. that they were still making jokes about it in 2015, they needed to update their references a little bit. Like, <laughs> Great. It's not like she's an enduring figure in the world. You know? <sighs> anyway, but yes, it, Simon Pegg is selected randomly out of everyone in humanity, and he is given, unbeknownst to him, he's given ultimate power in all of the universe. Like, yeah. he, he can make anything happen just by speaking it into existence and waving his hand, and it happens. Yeah. Now, uh, this is, I think, sorry, this, I think, is the fatal flaw of this movie. Okay. More than anything else. I mean, obviously, the, the bad writing. But on a fundamental level, I think this is never going to work because mm-hmm. it's too easy for him to solve any problem that he might have, mm-hmm. theoretically. In practice, he makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's no limit to his power. Yeah. As long as he can literally speak and wave his hand, he can do literally anything. And there's so much of this movie is just, like, you could fix this so easily. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you're going to give someone like he, he does that at times, mm. but like he, he, never, he never does the, he never does the same fix for something no. multiple times. Like so, it starts off the first thing he does, which really sets the tone, mm-hmm. um, is a van driver uh, knocks him off his bike. Yeah, and Simon Pegg says, "Oh, screw you!" Mm-hmm. And then the van driver just very comedically has an orgasm face. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and the van sort of drives from side to side. Yeah, I did. A, what was happening there? I, I'm not. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Just yeah. leave it to your imagination. But yeah. the van driver seemed to enjoy it. He seemed like he was enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Because the wording was "screw you." Yeah. So I was like, "Well, he's 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 being he's screwed, having, screwed by Simon Pegg. He's, being, he's being screwed by uh, clearly someone invisible because you can't see anything." Like, yeah. He's, he's sitting down. He's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, "What's the, what are the mechanics of this?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. Um, mm. Let's 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 move on from we'll, that. We'll draw we a veil over that. Yeah, but I um, have questions. Yeah, but yeah, like uh, at one point he says, like, oh, I wish the aliens would attack my classroom, and like that happens. His classroom mm. gets destroyed. People die. Whatever. Thirty-eight children are dead. I know. I this know. is a dark joke. <laughs> yeah, and I'm here for a dark joke, but it just, oh, yeah, it totally. just didn't work in this film. Like, didn't, didn't quite. No. no, they hadn't earned it. No, mm. and so then he works all this out, uh, like when he gets home, because he mm. finds that his dog, as he previously wished in a day regurgitated chapter three of his novel yes fully intact mm-hmm. and he's like oh my god and then he works it out and he says like oh i wish that everybody was alive again and then it's yeah. like a zombie apocalypse thing and i'm like okay this film is this film is ramping up really quickly mm-hmm. um not sure if this is where i want it to go and uh i mean you know it gets really bad and then eventually he says like put things back to the way they w- no Actually, no. First of all, he says, like, oh, I don't know what to do. Let me know what to do. Yeah. That was good. That was smart. That was okay, yeah. I liked that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so then he says, put things back to the way they were this afternoon. Yeah. And then just it time jumps back to that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting fix. Yeah. This could get confusing and frustrating mm-hmm. if it's just going to be a time jumpy film. And they, they move on from that very quickly. They do, they and it do, never do. comes back. No, he never does the same thing twice. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, that's like in-universe, that's a very good undo for all of his mistakes, which yeah. he constantly makes. Yeah. But he never uses it again. No. But basically, the important thing to know is his power is he speaks something into existence. But a lot of the comedy uh, quotes mm. of this film is that he will say something, but he won't word it very well. And so yeah. what happens will be very literally what he asked for. So when he wishes without realizing that his entire class will be hit by explosion or something and then all of his kids die mm-hmm. and then he says make everyone who died come back to life again and then rather than just his kids mm-hmm. the entire world everyone yeah. who's ever died and so yes yes so it's a lot of that it's a lot of him like saying the wrong thing and then having to backtrack yeah yeah but he sends himself back in time you're right he's back in this class mm-hmm. no one's dead yeah and so then he explains it to uh to his teacher friend sanjeev baskar's character exists only to make simon Pegg. Did you remember, do you remember that really weird inorganic scene where they're just having a conversation? This is beforehand, sorry. Mm. Um, I'm going back a bit. But when they're in the cafeteria the first time and Sanjeev Baskar's just had that running with the pretty teacher who doesn't fancy him. Mm-hmm. And then he just sits down and out of nowhere just says, what would you do if you could do absolutely anything? Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that Simon Pegg will say things that yeah. will then happen without his knowledge. But it was yeah. so inorganic. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a bit, again, slightly before that, where Simon Pegg is just getting food from the cafeteria mm. and the dinner lady's like, oh, what, would you, what what do you want? And he's like, oh, roast head master. Yeah, and I, was I was disappointed. Like, oh, that oh my God. Yeah, that was a good opportunity to really go dark, but it, it didn't, didn't happen. At all. Like, yeah. Did that get cut or what? Like, I well, feel he like, didn't wave his hand. Oh, it was very inconsistent. He didn't wave his hand. So I, don't know. I, I feel like that's just a weird thing to say if you're not going to do that joke. I know, yeah. Because doing that joke would be, I mean, it'd be weird and it wouldn't necessarily be good, but like... Mm-hmm. Isn't no, it? if this movie had gone like full dark, like yes, he eats his own headmaster and he kills all of these twelve-year-old children. Mm. If it had really committed to being a bleak, bleak comedy, I, mm-hmm. I could get on board with that. Yeah, but it, it didn't. It didn't. Didn't work. No, no. 
But yeah, so he's back now. He's wished all the kids back to life. He's back in the cafeteria with Sanjeev Bhaskar. Yeah. And so he's trying out a few things and he walks past the headmaster and the headmaster is just telling off some of the other teachers because he's a mean man. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, make the headmaster be nice to me. Mm-hmm. And then the headmaster just comes and just gives him loads of compliments, says he likes what he's wearing, stuff like that. Again, really not as like flamboyantly as I was... No, this could have been like a complete transformation of the headmaster character. But yeah, it, was just... it could have turned him into just literal Eddie Izzard. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and that, that would have worked really well. Yeah, if he'd said like, oh, make the headmaster lighten up it, and then he becomes like, yeah, full Eddie Izzard. That yeah. would have been great. Yeah. yeah. See, I think you just did it there where you said make the headmaster lighten up a bit. Yeah. They could have just made him light, as in visually. That's what I mean, because he's like, always like, in the that, black. That, yeah. that, that, that's the kind of literal yes, that thing that, been that really Simon Pegg yeah. keeps saying. Hmm. So yeah, like I, I see. I saw what they were going for for some of those. Then he tries to tell uh, Sandy Basco, Sandra Basco what's what's going on, and shows it by saying, "Right, um, make this skeleton be alive." No, he, he says, "Make this." I think he says something like, "I wonder what this who the skeleton used to be," and he's like, "Let's find out." Okay, yeah. Implying that this, it's a real skeleton. Yeah, that, that <laughs> in classes up and down the country, we have actual decomposed corpses hanging in our classrooms. It's like, what? That was never plastic skeleton. Come on. But yeah, yeah, and so it turns out that this skeleton is broadly racist yeah. in on, on on many different fronts. This is the thing that felt the most like a Monty Python sketch. Yes, yeah. but then also the biggest swing and a miss. Yes, it could have been. Yeah, if this was written in the seventies, you know, it would have probably worked. But yeah, I, I guess yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, this film, it it really really turned me off Monty Python writing. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh. a lot of it has aged poorly. I know, yeah. I know. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> and this that, is an example. That, 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 yeah, this is an example of it. Yeah. Because, like, you know, if, if you look back to, say, Faulty Towers, for example, a lot mm. of that is just, like, people are racist. Yeah. And that's the joke. Mm-hmm. It's like, this isn't fun to watch. No. This sure. is not fun at all. And this was definitely that, but worse. Yeah. He says so many racist yeah, He just goes on a, on a racist ramble. and Yeah. yeah. So many taboo words, and mm. it's it, it's I don't know, it's just very unpleasant. It, yeah, I really didn't like it's it. A, a, a misjudged joke for sure. Yeah, yeah. You tell us who you were. <laughs> You'll never believe this, but I was a conjurer. I went by the name of the Great Alfredo. Uh, real name is Reg Hoskins. I did variety clubs, private parties, the lot. This is just 3D projection or something, right? Oh, of course, it's all gone now. I blame the wogs. Hey. All that black minstrel stuff. Once they started allowing that... That's not me, that's what I'm saying. It's... The Jews took over the business. It's never the same again. Hey, just go and jump out the window. Right, so. Watch this. And, uh... This comes to Louise's favourite part of this movie, mm-hmm. where Simon Peck then says, oh, just jump out the window. Skeleton jumps out the window. Yeah. And then, like, a minute later, Eddie Izzard walks up, just comes into the room with the skeleton. And what was the friend's name? Sanjeev Basco. Cool. Whatever. Um, he just says, Sanjeev, did you throw this out the window? Yeah. And just, for some reason, Louise just absolutely loved it, because it just felt like the most realistic part of this movie. <laughs> okay. Because it kind of was, if you think about it. If you're mm-hmm. just walking out and a skeleton falls out the window, you'd be like, what? What? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. And then from here, oh, is this when Sanjeev gets the really creepy bit where he says, like, oh, make that teacher that I fancy worship me? Yes, so Simon Pegg grants... Which which he had already said beforehand, before he knew Simon Pegg had the power. It's like, yeah. I wish that she, she worshipped me. Yeah. And then he asks it again. And that's... So he says that phrasing, mm. make her worship me. And then Simon Pegg says, okay, she worships you now. 
that feels like phrasing that you should have worked out already. Yeah. That, 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 that that's going to go wrong. Mm. Well, that's the thing. The character can't ever learn his lesson because he has to keep making the same stupid mistake because otherwise he'd be invincible. If he, lo- if he realized he just had to word things very specifically. Mm. You know, it's like in Aladdin. Aladdin figures this out in five minutes. Yeah. He? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he's a cartoon. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he... He says, let this woman worship Sanjeev Bhaskar. And she literally, you know, she, she not only fancies him, she worships him as a god mm-hmm. and sets up what ends up being some kind of death cult around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they want him to die they, they so that he can be resurrected. Him. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I feel like the film didn't spend enough time with them, but also I didn't want to see any more. No, yes. This could have been like a whole subplot, but it just kind of came and went. Yeah. Uh, what happens next? Oh, God. I mean... What does happen? So, I mean, we've, we've jumped not, around. We've not introduced what's his face, the American guy. Okay, so all this is going on. Simon Pegg is coming to terms with these new powers he's got. He's trying them out with yep. varying degrees of success. Meanwhile, Kate Beckinsale, his love interest, she is working as a researcher for a book review TV show mm-hmm. hosted by Joanna Lumley, mm-hmm. who's in this film for all of two scenes. Yep. And she's like a mean interviewer who I don't understand why any self-respecting author would go on her TV show. No. It seems like she just shits on their book and openly hasn't read them. So I was like, yeah. well, what, what's in it for these authors? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Kate Beckinsale is very unhappy with this role because she feels like it's cynical and that the woman isn't actually got any, doesn't really care about literature and she does. And she has a little cry in a supermarket and mm-hmm. Simon Pegg comforts her and oh, it's a meet cute, etc. So mm-hmm. they've got their little meet cute set up. But at the same time, Kate Beckinsale is trying to kind of shake off an ex-fling from when she went to America mm-hmm. the previous year, who's this American soldier. I think so, yeah. Played by uh, a comedian called Rob Riggle, who's mm-hmm. like, I think, more well-known in America. But anyway. But he's, he's from a, Modern he's, Family, right? Oh, yes, he was in Modern Family. Yes, yeah. yes. He's, he's one of those uh, that guy actors. But anyway, yeah. so, yes, she's trying to shake him off, and he is incredibly insane and a stalker, mm-hmm. and he basically flies from America to England and just starts following her around and just yelling at her and trying to make her yeah. be in love with him. Yeah. So she's kind of trying to deal with that. And in she, shaking her off, she gets rescued by her older male colleague, mm-hmm. who is also very much into her. Yes. And really trying to get a date and even has like creepy sort of fourth wall breaks to the camera when she's not looking. Yes. To just be like, oh, I'll get her later. Yes. Yeah. Very, yeah. It's, she exists just to be lusted after by all of the men. Yeah. So she, which is. She's just boobs on legs in this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. also the men are just like cartoons with eyes popping out. Yeah, exactly. Sockets. Exactly. No, nobody has a conversation like an adult in this film. No. Everything is about, like this film would not pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> all the guys are talking about how much they want the women and all the women are talking about the guys. And that's all mm-hmm. there is. But honest, at one point, Simon Pegg rescues Kate Beckinsale from this American mm-hmm. guy. And they have a little dinner date, I think is where we're at. Yeah. And Rob Riggle, climbs up the drain pipe or something and looks through the window and sees them on this date yeah and goes mad with mm-hmm. rage basically yeah pretty much mm-hmm. his character may be angry really he would because th- i feel like everybody who's not acting like a real human being they're only acting that way in relation to how he's acting yes you know like there's the bit where he breaks into her house and is waiting for her when she gets home mm-hmm. And won't leave. And so she leaves and like locks him in and stuff. I think, I feel like a normal person would call the police. Yeah. At that point, just like there's a man in my house and I don't want him to be there and he won't leave. And he broke in. Mm-hmm. And well, that's it. This, this whole film like, hinges on that, nobody doing that, the obvious thing. That's grounds for arrest. Absolutely. In a film full of like 
one-dimensional characters, he's the most paper-thin character. Yeah. Like, there's just nothing to this guy at all. He yeah. literally is just this weird, crazed stalker, but not not in an interesting, threatening way. He's just, like, never goes away or backs off. And mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's really not good. I'm out of here! There's nobody else, huh? Who is this guy? She didn't tell you? I'm her fiance. You're not my fiance, Grant. Oh, yeah, and you weren't just making out with this apology of a man? Stop this. You know how long you'd last on a battlefield, soldier? I'm sorry, Neil. That long. I'm warning you. <laughs> You're warning me? Yeah, I'm warning you. <laughs> Who is this guy? Did you suck on this, Grant. asshole? So they have their little dates, and then they have. Well, I think what comes first, the dates or the sex? Because they have sex. Around. I think they have sex, then they go on a date, right? I mean, him yeah, and Kate back and Sam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam and Peck. Yes. Because she decides he loses that. his powers very briefly. Oh, yeah, there's, a, pa- there's a power outage or something. Yeah, but he doesn't... That was... This was just because, again, they... That also didn't really go anywhere. No, I think it was just so that they could have the moments at the end where it's like, you really did want to have sex with me? I didn't just rape... Because, basically, if he's wished her into having sex with him, then yeah. he's raped her, basically. Yeah. There's no getting away from it. He's yeah. raped her. Yeah. So... The, I, I, and, we'll I guess, get, and we'll get to that later yeah, in the film. And, uh, also, uh, yeah, not to say that doesn't happen, but... I think for like the romantic lead, I think they, they just try to write a way in which, mm. but it's very clumsy. So basically his powers briefly don't work. But he wakes up in the middle of the night, just sits up in bed and just goes, make Kate Beckinsale fall in love with me. Mm-hmm. But nothing happens what he thinks is going to happen. Yeah. Coincidentally at the same time, Kate Beckinsale and her female bestie, mm-hmm. are sat downstairs and she just goes, I'm going to go have sex with him. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. And she just literally runs upstairs no kind of dates. It's not like a romantic meet cute moment. She just runs up and goes, are you gay? He's like, no. She goes, great. And they have sex. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Very romantic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have sex and then... Has s- the dog started talking yet? So that's when the dog starts talking. So no, they have sex and then he... It's the next morning, isn't it? The next morning she leaves and he gives the dog the power of a speech for reasons I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think the dog's just barking at him a lot. And he's just talking back to the dog, um, you know, as we all do. Yeah. And uh, and then he's like, oh, I wish I could hear what you were saying because like you you like, you know, you're not responding to anything. He's like, oh, okay, let let the dog speak or whatever. Yes. And so then it's Robin Williams just going biscuits, B- give me biscuits. Yes. So the dog is get now given the voice of Robin Williams. Yeah. You know what I really hate in movies, more than anything, more than almost anything else. <laughs> An- not animals that. talking. I don't. I'm not like, like, like the the lips not moving. Yes, the right? lips moving. The yeah. lips moving. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. mind a movie with animals in like inner voices. That's fine. Yeah, Homeward Bound, yeah. great. Sure. Just make it an inner like, you know, make it an inner monologue. Or if they have to talk to each other, just just imagine that it's being done by like body language or whatever, and just yeah. give me a, a voiceover. That's fine. The mouth moving is it's distracting, isn't it's it? It's Just creepy. I yeah. don't like it. Yeah. It's. There's something off about it. No. And the animation of this particular dog was really bad. Do you mm. remember the scene where the dog sat at the table? Yeah. With its arms? Yeah. <laughs> when it's clearly a man in a dog suit. And, <laughs> oh, God, it was awful. It was, I found it really unsettling. I did not I did not care for it. <sighs> so, yeah. There was so that. the dog develops the voice of Robin Williams. Yes. And he just goes off and... And, well, uh, uh, after this does come... This does... It is important to the plot yeah. um, that... After Simon Pegg give him a biscuit or something, he's like, right, now more biscuits, please. And then Simon Pegg's like, can't you just think rationally? It makes him think rationally. Mm-hmm. And then, first of all, he's like, well, you know, you should probably give me more biscuits and then I'll be able to think more. Yeah. Um, and Simon Pegg's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. He gets outsmarted by a dog immediately. Sure. 
But then, like, the dog actually becomes, like, a, a smart character. Well, I.e. the smartest character in this movie. I mean, potentially, sure, yeah. He didn't seem that smart, but okay. Well, not super smart, but like he's thinking rationally. Sure. And he does kind of, de- like he, he's certainly pitched as the smart one at the end of the movie. I suppose, yes, he does solve the movie. Yeah. Uh, in as much as it can be solved. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but either way, how horrible do you think it was for Robin Williams to constantly be referring to Kate Beckinsale as that bitch? I know, right? <sighs> I mean, I get it, it. It's a dog and dog, female dogs are called bitches. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody knows, but like... Yeah. Not, not even Simon Pegg's character was enjoying that. No, yeah. So, like, the writers clearly knew, just like this, like this isn't right because, yeah. like, our main character doesn't like this. Mm-hmm. Just no. don't do it. No, don't do it. It's not. It's not as funny as you think it is. It's really not. No, especially when he's just like shag the bitch, shag the bitch. It's like, oh. oh my god, this is, <laughs> this is unpleasant. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's really unpleasant just to be hearing it from Robin Williams. If it was like from one of the Monty Pythons or something. Or if it was from just some like no name character, no name actor yeah. um, who was in this, then I'd be like, okay, well, this, this isn't very nice, but okay, fine. This was one of those moments that like, this is sad, especially because you really know it's the sad. last thing he ever did. Yeah, as well. it's yeah, just like, like oh. this is this is terribly sad. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's it's a low point for everyone concerned. Yeah, but yes. So Kate Beckinsale comes back into the house after the dog starts talking, or back mm-hmm. into the flat. And the dog has obviously been hidden away. Simon Pegg doesn't want people to know that the dog is now speaking. Yeah. But the dog does start shouting things out like shag the bitch and then love Mm. me, uh, Neil, love me. Mm. He's still got like that doggy neediness. Yeah. um, Basically. And this convinces Kate Beckinsale through a hilarious, you know, sequence of misunderstandings (laughs) that Simon Pegg has a gay lover. Mm -hmm. Because previously in discussing with, just when just when you thought this film couldn't punch down on anybody it else, keeps, it just keeps. Just, on, it just yeah. found something else. Found a lower place, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Because earlier in the movie, when Kate Beckinsale is discussing Simon Pegg with her gal pal, mm-hmm. um, she's like, "Oh, he's really nice and he's kind and he's funny. He's into me." And so the other one's like, "Gay," mm-hmm. and then he's, she's like, "No, he's not gay. He's just nice, mm-hmm. gay." Um, and then this sequence happens. She's like, "Oh my god, she was right. He, you are gay." And so, yeah. yeah. And so then he, she believes that he's gay, and uh, obviously Sam Pegg is not thrilled about that. Nope. That puts the spanner into their relationship. You know what? I felt that Sam Pegg's reaction to that, Sam Pegg's character's reaction to this, could have been worse. Mm. Like I was expecting him to be sort of like disgusted at being called gay, mm-hmm. but it was more just sort of like, no, 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 I actually fancy you. It was like that's that that's his problem with this is that you think that he doesn't fancy you. Yeah, yeah, which, no, no, yeah. He just say yeah. Oh, that's that's okay. But, yeah. Which yeah, I was I, I was expecting worse. It's the highest praise this movie's going to get. In certain moments, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Can't say that with every movie, so fine. <sighs> okay, right then. So to, to, to wrap up, the uh, the American guy, he clocks on about Simon Pegg's power because basically Simon Pegg tells him, like they get in a, in, a, in a physical fight. They do, yeah. Which Simon Pegg could have solved in a second. Yeah. Yeah, just right. Just by saying... Make him go away. Send him back to America. Just anything, but he just doesn't. Yeah, know. or just make him a nice person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's easy. So many options. But either way, uh, they get in a fight. Simon Pegg says that, like, I can do literally anything. Look, here's an example. So he does something. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes and talks to the dog for a little bit. And then the dog's like, oh, watch out. And the American guy just smacks him on the head with a plant pot, knocks him out. Simon Pegg wakes up. And this guy has taken him to the hotel room that he originally planned to take Kate back and sell to. Mm-hmm. Um, for reasons and uh, he seems to be very very prepared with interrogation equipment yeah he's an American soldier you know 
but like, where did he get all this stuff from sure. in the time that it took Simon Pegg to, to come around from a, I, from, I from a head injury? I wouldn't think too hard about it. What was he planning to do to keep Beckinsale? That, oh, that's a good point, yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's where I was going with that. that just a, yeah, it is, it is a lot of ropes and gags and... Yeah. And, yeah, okay, yeah. you make a good point, yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not torture equipment. Again, could have been worse. It could have been worse, But yeah, it's so. still The implication's not great, not great yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Simon Pegg is tied up. His arm is attached into some equipment in yeah, a way he's that... He's created like a system of weights and pulleys, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg can't wave his own arm, mm-hmm. but... Uh, the American guy can wave Simon Pegg's arm for him. That's yeah. that's all that matters to this. Uh, technicality is difficult to explain. Yeah, he gives him a list of like wishes he wants to make, and he makes Simon Pegg go through this increasingly ridiculous list of things to do. Yeah, which again, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting that to be like four hundred items on the list, which is what it was. I was expecting it to just be like one long one, which is about like the exact right wording and technicality of like give my power to the American man. Sure, yeah. Just like, give, like, you know, kind of like how Jafar and Aladdin's like, give me your power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's the, yeah, the, the incorrect wording does him in, but yeah. Yeah. So I, so I was kind of expecting that sort of thing to happen. Like, mm. you know, do Aladdin again. But yeah. uh, no, it was just like, oh, make all the traffic lights green. And then... It he, was so childish. It was, wasn't it? It was like a five-year-old had been given this power. And then, like, every time it cuts to him, he's got more mili- military medals on him. Yeah. And it's like, this doesn't feel like you've planned anything long-term. He's not, yeah, he's not much of an evil villain, really. No. no. Yeah. And then, uh, eventually, Kate Beckinsale uh, comes to the rescue, because um, her and Sam Peck's friend, yeah. they, they clock that Sam Peck has been abducted, mm-hmm. but she knows where he's going to be. Sure. So she shows up, and then the American man is like, oh, quick, quick, read the, read the last one. And the last one, which it's not, it's not at this point, I didn't expect more from this film, no. but uh, it's basically like make Kate Beckinsale have like passionate sex with me or something. Yeah. I mean, at least when it's done by the villain, you can be like, yes, this is a villain move. Yeah. And yeah. She, no, she's like, no, I don't want this. Yeah. But it still happens to her. It's, it, it just, it, it makes it even less pleasing when she's like, Oh no! Please, Simon Pegg, don't say that. Please, don't, don't, yeah. don't give him that last wish or whatever. And it's like, oh my god, she's like pleading, like, don't let that man rape me. Yeah. And then he does. I mean, they don't have sex. It's very no, no. I mean, like... I mean, I mean, he attempts, but like Simon Pegg manages to stop it yeah. um, quickly enough. Sorry, manages to stop it not quickly enough. No. <laughs> he uh, it, like it's very much not the first thing he says. No, he takes his sweet time of it and. He makes an unfortunate, again, another unfortunate miswording. I'll, you know, I'll let that pass because he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. But he says, like, turn him into a corgi. And then she's like, she, she's still into she it. She wants to sleep with the corgi, yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Not good. It, it's, it's terrible. Yes, so the villain has been defeated. Not mm-hmm. that he was particularly threatening at any point. Uh, but now Kate Beckinsale is understandably quite pissed off and freaked out. She's yes. like, I don't have any idea what free will I have ever had or will ever had because everything, every choice I ever make could have just been something you've wished for. So yeah, like they have this conversation in the hallway outside their apartments, at which point I clock, I wasn't sure if it was a mistake in the film because it was so subtle, mm-hmm. but she, her apartment is now on the same floor as his. <laughs> and there's a point where she says like, like, I don't even know if this is where I used to live. Oh, okay. and it, was, it was a really subtle thing and then you see Simon Pegg's face and he, he he's like really unhappy about it and I was like oh okay the film actually it went somewhere with this okay I see like the main character now feels guilty for what he's done because he here's a direct example of what he's done yeah and it was just not that it was great it wasn't fantastic writing mm-hmm. but it wasn't bad writing either but it was just subtle enough that 
Okay, I, I, I can't say I noticed that, but okay. Yeah, yeah. so I, it, it surprised me okay. in, a, in, in a good way. Okay, well, I guess even a stop clock's right, you know, twice a, year, a day. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it feels like to be in someone else's power? To have no will of your own? I thought that I made you love me. What? You know, with my powers. Oh, my God. Did I really come home early tonight because I wanted to, or did you make me? Oh, have I always lived opposite you, or have you somehow rearranged things? I'm never going to know. Look, I love you. How can any woman love a man who can make her do whatever he wants, any second, every day, forever? Look, I'm sorry, Nick, I could never love you. Not in a million years. Oh, Catherine. She kind of rejects him and says, you know, I can't. I can't ever see myself being with you because I don't. I won't ever know what free will is. Mm-hmm. And he just jumps straight to suicide. Yeah, he's like, well, I guess it's suicide for me then. Yeah, that's it's. It was. It was bizarre. It's a hard left turn. Yeah. yeah. So it's like smash cut on a bridge. So he goes to, uh, well, basically this the, the the shortest bridge I've ever seen, mm-hmm. as in the least high bridge. Oh yeah. Which didn't really feel like that would. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting into technicality there. But uh, anyway, he has a big old uh, suicide conversation with Robin Williams, which... Okay. Mm-hmm. That one, that, that didn't yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> contextually, that hasn't aged well at all. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially given this film came out a year after what Robin Williams' is passing. Yes, it, well, yeah, because in the production and then the, by the time it came out, yeah, no wonder nobody went to see this. Yeah, that was... Not, a bit too soon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Robin Williams saves him or something i don't know either he way jump he jumps into the river thames or a river yeah he tries to drown himself then robin williams jump in dog form jumps in after him to rescue him mm-hmm. realizes he can't swim mm-hmm. so Simon peg abandons his plan to die so he can swim his dog back to the shore yes basically pretty much yes and then they had they, they sit on a park bench and he asked the dog what should i do and the dog's i think I forget what the dog says, but he, he basically says, give the power to me. Yeah. And so Simon Pegg does. He just transfers his power mm-hmm. um, to the dog, at which point I'm like, okay, what's going to happen now? It's all going to be like this weird doggy world. Yeah. Which, you know what? I was there for. If the film yeah. finished with like, everybody's just eating biscuits or whatever. Sure, yeah. Then that would have been a fun, innocent joke to finish on. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, they, they finish it in the all right way where Robin Williams is like okay we'll destroy the source of this power well f- yeah why does he think that's I mean it works because basically because Simon Pegg at the start of the film told him to think rationally oh so this is a sign of his genius yeah basically oh okay because I did think like because basically at this exact moment the aliens are preparing to blow up the earth they yeah. decided that Simon Pegg has failed the test mm-hmm. so they're literally ha- aiming the cannon Death Star style mm-hmm. and then Robin Williams says destroy those who gave me the power but he doesn't know that the earth's about to get destroyed no he doesn't as far as we're aware yeah but it's just perfect timing, and then the aliens all blow up, and uh, they all live happily ever after. Yeah. Not the aliens, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Oh, and Kate Beckinsale and Simon Pegg get together, obviously. Of course, yeah. In a very half-hearted kind of way. Yeah. So that is absolutely anything. It absolutely everything. Oh, no, absolutely anything. It is anything, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. And a whole lot of it. <laughs> Thank you. <for> <laughs> You're very welcome, John. You're very welcome. I, I mean, you were right. It wasn't the worst thing to talk about. No, and mm. like uh, Louise said at the very end of this, after a lot of like not enjoying it, she said when it finished, like as much as I hate to say it, I wasn't bored by that movie. True, true. It was kind. It, it was kind of. I, I mean, I, I will never. I, 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 I will never watch this again. No, no, no. Don't no, get. No. Don't get me wrong. No, this, no, no. this is never going to come up again. No. Um, and this is you know, put me off. 
choosing a film like this for a long while. Mm-hmm. Not saying it won't ever happen again. No, sure. You know, because not that I will, not that I ever would, mm. but we can make a season out of films like this. Because they films ex- like what? They exist. Oh, no, they do, clearly. We've, we've, you've, this isn't the first time. No, I don't mean just mean like really bad films. I mean films like this, uh, The Invention of Lying. Oh, I've not seen that. Is it bad? No, I've not seen it either, but I know the title and I know it's got Ricky Gervais in it. Uh, and okay. I know what to expect. Okay, sure. So like <laughs> low expectation movies. I think I saw the trailer when it was around as well. Um, stuff like that. Uh, there's loads of Jim Carrey ones, like say, uh, like yes, yes Man. Yes okay. Man. Um, oh, is, so is, you, you, is Liar Liar one of them? No, Liar Liar is quite good. Is it? Okay. I, I enjoy I, Liar Liar. I, I, yeah. I don't know it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, stuff like that. This is also so, so very similar. About people who develop just in so much power that it can't really be contained within a, in a comedy movie. Also very similar to Bruce Almighty as well. We'll sure. see that had a much better reception. But and if you, sequel. But, but so, if you, yeah. Um, but if you think about it, fairly similar to this. Sure, yeah. Like, just makes Trent Franson's boobs bigger. Yeah. Yes. Thank no, you. you're right. This could be a... It's very cheap humour about just a man who just suddenly gets loads of power. Yes, yes. Movies written by men. Yes. yes. Oh, that's a good season. We should that's, do th- that's like <laughs> of the two hundred of the hundred and eighty four whatever episodes we've done, it's probably all but maybe five, Harry. I don't think that's it's not exactly a huge I know, I know specific I know, season. I know, I was making a joke there. Right, so drinking games? Yeah, sure. Right, the first one I got. Mm-hmm. Drink whenever he does something that's a little bit more literally than he meant to. Okay. Drink when he rewords something. Yeah. yeah. So I had my first one similarly was Drink every time Neil could easily solve a situation, but doesn't, mm-hmm. i.e. by re- slightly rewording what he just said. Sure. Like, there's a sequence in, at, near the end of the film when he... It's a ridiculous sequence. ...finally realises <laughs> that he could actually do some good with this power. Mm-hmm. When he decides to, you know, say, oh, let's reverse global warming and mm-hmm. stop all the wa- all the wars. Yeah. But he words it, well, it's reverse global warming, so obviously, oh, now everything becomes cold. Yeah. And uh, instead of like stopping war, he says something like, let there be no reason for wars anymore. Mm-hmm. And that means that all the wars suddenly happen for no reason, which makes it a lot worse. It's mm-hmm. just people randomly declaring war. Yeah. So, and he's like, oh God, this is awful. Let's just, that's when he decides to kill himself. He just goes, oh, well, this, yeah. is, this is ridiculous. I guess I should just jump off a bridge. Mm-hmm. When surely he could just like slightly rephrase both of those things and make the world a much better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I mean, he could even say something like, I mean, we're giving this more, giving this film more thoughts than it needs, mm-hmm. than it deserves. Um, but he could say- Hi, the so- fact that this podcast lasted longer than five minutes, <laughs> we'll give it more. <laughs> well, it's likely this will last longer than the film did. Yes. He could have said something like, just make it now that whenever I try to use this power, it does what I mean and not what I say. Yes. Like, just like that, because then he could... Yeah, he could do anything. Then he could do anything without accident. Mm -hmm. You're right. You could have really gone meta. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess that the minute he says that, the film's over, but... Yes. Well, there you go. Exactly. That's what I mean. The film has to to tie itself up in knots Mm. to avoid breaking its own logic. I I can see what they were doing with like, let's make everything literal. And it kind of works. In a better film, it would have been really funny. Sure. Um, But, uh, you know, this one also didn't do that. Um, Drink whenever he undoes something. Drink whenever he what? Undoes something. I thought it said every time he does something. I was like, that's a very lazy drinking game, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Every time the main character does a thing, have a drink. Sure. All right. Um, uh, yes, when he has to undo his own things, such as when he ra- accidentally raises all of the dead or blows up his classroom. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Drink for empowering conversations between women. Oh. Or the lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> Every time there are two women talking to each other, which I think is only Kate Beckinsale and her pal, mm-hmm. all they talk about is men and 
Mm-hmm. Oh God, I want a man. I want, oh, I want this guy. And it's just, it's just, yeah. This is not a an empowering film for women. This is no, terribly no. Really. It's not the worst film that was on this podcast for women. No, no, we've certainly had worse, but it is up there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say this is the worst film that was on this podcast for men. Just in terms of writing them as just dopes. Well, not uh, or one dimensional. No, it's more that everybody, every, every man in this movie is borderline rapey. True, true, true. If yeah. not actually rapey. Yeah. Yes, it doesn't paint a good picture of men. Like it's right, yeah. that that's that's how it is mm-hmm. in this film. And yeah. there's there's not an exception. No, and, and I don't think that's intentional at all. So no. yeah. No. Hmm? Or at um, least it's equal opportunity is bad then. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Drink for any joke that just wouldn't be written today in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I know this film's only five years old. But yes. But a lot's <laughs> happened in the last five years. Sure. Sure, and sure. Uh, a lot of these jokes just wouldn't get wouldn't get made. No, they would not pass today. Absolutely, no. very true. Yeah. So, or drink for any joke that would have been funny if it was in a Monty Python sketch forty five years ago, but even in twenty fifteen was just now. Yeah, yeah. And basically, between the two of us, we've come up with like the, the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> also, I'm not sure if you can take any joke, put it forty five years ago in a Monty Python thing, and it suddenly becomes funny. It's more like at the time. I'd say that a, a, a lot of the reasons why these jokes aren't funny also wouldn't be funny then i agree yes but would you know if, you would they would they'd pass, pass more. they'd pass more yeah is what i'm trying to get at, yeah yeah okay drink for stock footage okay yeah it's never a good sign when a movie is less <laughs> than 90 minutes and there are multiple extended <laughs> sequences that are just stock footage yeah that's very fair um drink whenever you feel sad because of this movie yeah yeah what, not an uplifting one? No. Biscuits? Shagging. I don't think I like your conversation. But I worship you, Master. I love you so much. I can't bear displeasing I, you. I My whole world collapses yes, when you're cross with me. Look, maybe it was better when you didn't talk. Oh, no. Don't take away my power of speech now that I can think rationally. That would be so cruel. Oh, I heard the bell. Somebody oh, at the door. No, no, the bell. Dennis, there it goes again. Hey, the bell. Oh, the bell. Hey, hey, somebody. There it goes again. Hey, hey, somebody at the door. Oh no, have I done something wrong again? No, just just be quiet. Do you understand me? Yes. Is anything to stop you being angry with me? Oh. The bell! There it goes again! Hey, 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 hey! Dennis, listen. Just listen, 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 listen. Be quiet. <laughs> that is an order. Right. Quiet. I, I like obeying orders, especially your orders. Good. Well then shut the fuck up. That's all I meant, actually. Yeah, I'm done too. Cool, okay. Great. All right. Well, listeners, if you've enjoyed this train wreck of an episode, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> maybe you'll enjoy more train wrecks. You can go to patreon.com slash set where we have some of our best train wrecks. Mm-hmm. We got have extended versions of our main episodes. We also do a bonus show called Beyond Beyond a Box Set, where we, we review random films. Used to be cinema releases, now it's yeah. mostly Netflix. But uh, yeah, We're getting much better at the watching Netflix movies, though. We're, we've, got, we've had quite a few that we've watched in the past few weeks, so yeah. we'll... Uh, well, as Oscar season comes along, we'll obviously be reviewing all of that as, mm, as, looking forward as to much that. as we could. Yes. Like most, I tried that Boseman one again. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes. It's a classic sa- it play. Sounds great. It's a classic play. <laughs> Is it okay? Yes. Yes, I'm sure that will be very much in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we've got we're going to have reviews for for those. We've got reviews for many others as well. Mm. Good films, bad films, all kinds of films. Yes. Also, if you become a Patreon, you get to have a 30 second advert slot on the main show. Mm-hmm. Also, on here, once a month, we do a Patreon episode where we get one of our patrons to choose the film for us. You can guess if you want to. You don't have to, though. And 
Well, that's pretty much it, really. More or less, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't run a tiered system like most Patreon users do. We do a pay-as-you-feel system. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you want to pay, whether it be $2 or $200 or more, you get all the same features, yes. no matter what. So mm-hmm. just whatever you feel like. Um, all that is available at patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset. Indeed. Hello, I'm Anna. Murray. Lauren. Thomas. Ishal. And we've just been hired as receptionists at Edinburgh Newington Quids Inn, Britain's premier chain of budget hotels. So if you want to hear about what we've been up to, or you're bored, or you've heard that podcasts are cool and wanted to seem trendy, search for Welcome to the Quids Inn on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, everybody, back to work. Now, one sequels. Do you want to go first? Sure, yeah, okay. So, this was not a film that I left feeling like I really wanted more of this. Mm-hmm. So, that was a bit of a challenge at first. Okay. But I've come up with some potential avenues towards, you know, something. Yeah. Okay, so my first one is my smallest one. And it is just very basically just recut this movie as a children's movie. Sure. Because did you not feel that this movie felt like a movie for a movie for children, just written inappropriately, with a lot of fucks and yeah, yeah. and some swearing and, and some sex scenes? And like yeah, that lines up. It really, it really felt like it. A lot of the comedy felt like this would be a semi passable children's movie. Yeah, with like a bit of an educational tint to it. Yeah, as well. yeah. But instead, they tried to make it a grown up rom com or whatever it was trying to be, and it just mm. it falls absolutely on its ass. But yeah, I thought just a few judicious edits here and there. You know, effing mm-hmm. about like the villains, you know, the aliens and stuff. It just felt this is it. Feel, it just felt like such a kids' movie. Yeah, and everyone was acting as if they were in a kids' movie because it just felt very like yeah, they were again because they were just doing it a bit half-hearted because there wasn't really you know like the villain's master plan was to turn all the traffic lights green. Exactly that <laughs> that was the bit particularly yeah all of that like oh wouldn't it be so funny if the traffic if the police were all wearing pink wouldn't it be really funny yeah. if, if all the English men had webbed feet and giant ears it just felt. It felt really childish. I was like, how is this yeah. also a movie where people say fuck every two minutes? Like, yeah. weird tonal shifts. Yeah. So that's all there is for that one. It's just like, recut it, make it a kid's movie. It's still not great, but it'll probably entertain the kids on Nickelodeon or whatever for mm-hmm. like an hour. Yeah. yeah, that totally adds up. Yeah. I've got better ones that were just like, yeah. just my first one out of the way. So yeah. Mm, cool. How many of you got this week? Uh, mine's kind of one, but also kind of a few. Okay. It's, it's a TV do you want me to do TV another TV. one before we get to yours? Yeah, yeah, do do all yours. We'll get we'll do all mine. Okay, fine, cool. So I've got two more. Okay. And neither of them are massive, but the, the more than that last one was. Okay. My second one picks up immediately immediately after the plot of the first one. Right. And it is based on the fact that the original movie ends with the dog being ultimately in control of the galaxy. Yeah. And you kind of I hope I'm not stealing your idea here, but you kind of uh, hinted on this as well in that uh, you said like there was potentially a movie in the fact that a dog suddenly becomes the most powerful thing. Yeah. Is this what your idea is? <laughs> no, not at Okay, all. good, right, cool. So I was thinking that the sequel could pick up immediately after the first movie mm-hmm. uh, with the dog still having all the powers of the universe. Yeah. Dennis the dog, as mm-hmm. voiced by Robin Williams, or I guess a, a good Robin Williams sound alike now that we've uh, sadly lost Robin Williams. Oh, see, now, without knowing the rest of your idea, I feel like it would be great for somebody who could do improv comedy. Mm. And like, you know, this would be a fantastic role for, for, for Robin Williams. It would, yes, if you actually allowed some humour in. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of don't really want to uh, get somebody who can just do an impersonation of Robin Williams. No, true. Maybe someone who would just do the spirit of, you know, yeah, yeah, have yeah. the spirit of Robin Williams. 
doesn't matter who it is, but he's got all of the powers in the universe. He still has all of that power. Mm-hmm. And we pick up and maybe Kate Beckinsale and Simon Pegg, they're in a relationship now and they're, they're dating and they're happy, blah, yeah. blah, blah. doesn't really matter. They're not a big part of this. But the thought of this was that what would happen if a dog had all the powers of the universe and what would that mean? Mm-hmm. And there's two ways you could go about it. You could go about it the way of that... Um, the way of that episode of Rick and Morty, where the mm-hmm. dogs take over yeah. Earth. That's one way. The dogs get really sinister. Yeah. So, But but that's been done. And I don't want to just repeat something that's no, already existed. No. I was thinking, what if the, the dog is still essentially a nice dog. He's a good dog. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, he can't help himself. But he has no self-control. Mm-hmm. And his dog instincts take over and cause him to make big mistakes that just fuck the universe, basically. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, for example... We established in this movie, he has an insatiable hunger for biscuits. Sure. So what if he realizes that with the powers that he has, he, he can literally turn anything into a biscuit. Right, and so okay. what he does is consequently, because he's a dog, he turns everything into a biscuit. Right. And the entire world is just a biscuit. Okay. Like, so now everything in the world is a biscuit. Okay. So what, like the planet is one big biscuit or the planet is a biscuit with like biscuit trees and biscuit people and biscuit buildings. Second one. Everything's a biscuit. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's not that like the planet shrinks to the size of a, of a little biscuit or just becomes one giant biscuit. No, it's, it's like everything a, is a made of, of biscuit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Plants. Yeah. Plants, people. Yeah. Okay. Sidewalks. Everything is biscuit basically. So he does that and suddenly the world is a biscuit. Okay. Do people realize? Yeah. Well, Simon Pegg and Kate Beckinsale, I think, are spared from this fate. He doesn't turn them into biscuits. Okay. So they're having, they're where the comedy is going to come from because they're having to deal with all the crazy things the dog is doing. So suddenly yeah. they're living on a planet that's just become a biscuit. Are we uh, keeping all these jokes PG? I don't know, unless you want to go particularly dark with it. No, no, I'm just, I'm just really. like, are we, are we keeping in the shagging jokes from the dog or is it just the biscuit jokes? I don't have a shag joke. If, Good. if, you, if you want to pitch one, feel free. But no, no, no. If anything comes. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> So I was, I was, well, this is where I want your help because you are a, a, a noticeable dog owner. So you probably know better than me. Yeah. If, 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 if your dog developed like godlike powers, what do you think it would do? If it could just manifest whatever its desires were into existence, what would Lara do? Well, there'd be, no, there'd be no more fireworks in the world. Yes. Silence all the fireworks. That'd that, would, be, yeah. that, 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 that would definitely happen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there would be a lot of racism happening. Yes. Um, yes there, there'd be a lot of genocide. <laughs> uh, yeah, my dog's not the best for this example. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I did think maybe it wipes out all of the cats. Yes. So cats are wiped off the face of the earth. Um, actually, yeah, if it did happen to my dog Lara, she would then be the only small, white, fluffy, cute dog. Yeah. <laughs> that there would literally be no more existence. Mm-hmm. So that'd be that. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd be a celebrity. Yes. She'd just be a, the only one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I was thinking that the dogs get rid of, or this dog gets rid of all the cats. She'd rescue all the wild dogs in the world. Okay. Do you really think she cares about other dogs? I think she's got memories of dogs from her past, from, oh, her, okay. from her youth. Oh, so, so maybe all the Romanian rescue dogs like come back for revenge and yeah. they start ruling the world like, yeah. with an iron fist. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Yep. Well, I was thinking that they, yeah, <laughs> I can actually very much see that. <laughs> I was thinking that well, this thing of wiping out all of the cats. Mm-hmm. I was thinking well, this along with the whole biscuit thing really upsets the delicate eco balance of the planet. Sure. And yeah. because there's no cats, yeah, then. There's no one killing all the birds. Okay. Because cats ki- cats are like bird murderers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the population of birds explodes. Yeah. And also the birds become emboldened because they're not being hunted by cats anymore. What does emboldened mean? They, they become bolder and braver. Right, okay, okay, and, yeah, you know, yeah. They take less shit. Right. They, they, they eat more chips from the beach. More chips, exactly. Well, what I'm thinking is, have you seen the film The Birds? I've not, no. 
But do you know the basic concept of it? The birds take over? It's basically, yeah, it's basically birds attacking humans. Okay. We should do the birds. It's a good film. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking that the birds start attacking humans, basically. Yeah. Uh, and this leads to a massive and very bloody bird-dog war. Like, okay. all the dogs and all the birds gang up and it's just fighting and fighting and fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, generally for this film, that's basically what he does. He, this Dennis the dog character, mm-hmm. manifests his dog desires, always with hilariously disastrous results, whether it be turning the world into a biscuit yeah. or killing all the cats and getting all the birds to attack all the humans mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, all, all those dog things happen. Eventually, though, you know, Simon Pegg continues to try and keep him at least on some level under control, on, on the leash, if you would. And eventually, at a certain point... Dennis the dog, he tires of the limitations of being a dog, being mm-hmm. a four-legged animal. So he decides to use his powers to transform himself into a human. Okay. And of course, he takes the form of a human being. Mm-hmm. What form do you think he takes? So, Beck. Well, I was going to say Nick Frost. Oh, okay. You've yeah. got to reunite them. This film was missing Nick Frost. So, yeah, yeah, And Nick yeah, Frost yeah. has a doggy, you know, he, he seems... <laughs> He seems seems doggish. He's got a doggish vibe, you know. He's very loyal. He loves his food. (laughs) Okay, okay. So it's a way to bring Nick Frost into a Simon Pegg movie, which is always what you want. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking it ends with, um, yeah, maybe he uses the last of his powers to transform himself from from dog to Nick Frost. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. They set the whole world right somehow, or not, whatever. Or they're just stuck on a biscuit world, but they just learn to live with it. So. I like, yeah, I kind of like the biscuit world thing. Yeah, I thought you might. So, yeah. yeah, so that was uh, absolutely anything. It's a rough life. No, it's a rough life. Yeah. Very good, mm-hmm. very good. Did you say you've got another one? Or I've got one more. Yeah, do you want me to do my last one and then give pass over to you? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. So my last idea is based on another observation I had in this film, which is that Sanjeev Bhaskar, the best friend, yeah, he behaves throughout this film in a very inorganic way. Yeah. For example, when he just basically says, "So, if you could do just about anything, what would you do?" And it was like that literally came out of nowhere. He just said that. When would you ever say that to somebody with no context? It's like, yeah, it was such a such a random question. So that made me think, what if he was in on it the whole time? Okay. So what if Sa- yeah. Sa- what if Sanjeev Bhaskar was actually one of the aliens, and he's been sent down by the Intergalactic Council of Superior Species when they decided to? So basically, it's more of a side call it's its own thing initially okay is he like sort of a, a temptation as in like he's kind of trying to make simon Pegg do bad yes essentially i feel like when the aliens give simon Pegg all this power mm. they send sanjeev baskar down or they send an alien down to maybe sanjeev baskar was his best friend yeah but then this alien kills him and takes his body or whatever or, or you know steals his identity in some way shape or form mm-hmm and he's there to basically coax Neil into using this power so they can test whether or not he's going to use it for good or bad. Yeah. So he gets stuck in this human body and that's what he does. And he, So in the actual context of the original film, he's just basically trying to get Neil to make, you know, moral choices to see what direction he takes. Yeah. Obviously, the film ends, the original film ends with all the other aliens being killed. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking credits roll on that film and now that character... He's still trapped on Earth. He's the last surviving alien because he wasn't on one of the ships. Mm. So literally his entire race has been wiped out. Mm-hmm. And now he's trapped on Earth forever in the body of Sanjeev Bhaskar. Okay. Does he have any powers? No. He's okay. just literally trapped in a human body. Because right. this okay. is the thing. I'm thinking, okay. So he's the last surviving one of his race. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. But he's now hell-bent on revenge. 
because he's the last of his kind and all he wants to do is destroy the planet mm-hmm. and get his revenge on everyone. Yeah. But he's trapped in the body of a pudgy middle-aged high school teacher. So his, his powers to enact that revenge are somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. So, and that's all I've got for that basically. But I thought that could be like a really funny comedy, like a pure evil revenge driven alien just trapped in the body of like a chubby middle-aged guy who can't yeah, really do anything. Definitely. Like so it. do you think that he's going to work out that the dog has the power? Maybe. I'm just thinking he just tries to find ways to destroy humanity. Right. He's okay. trying to figure out... It's not just that he wants revenge on Simon Pegg and the dog. Mm. He literally wants to destroy humanity. Mm-hmm. But how can he? He has literally no power. He's nobody. That's why I'm saying that. Do you think he finds out that the dog has the power? Because, like, he's not going to destroy humanity otherwise. Well, maybe. But I was thinking it could be funny because maybe he could really be plotting to... He has these huge plots to destroy humanity, mm. but he has no power to enact them. So it's like the ambition outweighs the reality as yeah, yeah. As I just, it made me think of like you know Stewie Griffin Pink, and family yeah Stewie guys. Griffin or Pinky and the Brain you know yeah, when it's like yeah, you've yeah. got a tiny little supervillain or you know someone who's totally insignificant has no access to you know weapons yeah, or yeah, yeah. he's not strong he's not anything he's just like a regular guy yeah to, to all outward appearances I could see like them sort of just going about day to day life and that's the case but like his best friend is Simon Pegg and Simon, friend, uh, Simon Pegg has this super dog yeah but like that's that's Simon Pegg's thing now. He just has this super dog who can do anything. Yeah. Um. Basically, do any of Simon Pegg's bidding if it's okay. Mm-hmm. And this friend's constantly trying to like, oh Simon, could you just could you just ask your dog if he could uh, if he could do that for me? Yeah. Just, uh, oh, I'll, Actually, I'll, yeah. I'll give you a tenner. Yeah. Maybe he starts just trying to destroy the world on his own accord, and then yeah. he quickly realizes he has no power to do that. Mm-hmm. But then he does realize that oh, the dog is the one. The dog's mm. the responsible. And then yeah. so he tries desperately to like get the power back from the dog so he can become the most powerful being in the universe again. Yeah. And that drives the main plot of the movie. And then oh, clearly he's going to fail. But yeah. <laughs> it could set up like him versus the dog. And I'd then like it if he keeps, I'd like it if he keeps asking Simon Pegg to get the dog to do things. Mm-hmm. But because Simon Pegg's basically this middleman and also he's not the smartest. Yeah. He's, he doesn't remember everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. So like, so again, he's miss, he's mispronouncing things. Yeah. yeah mispronouncing things, just like saying things slightly wrong and stuff like that. And, and then Sanjeev's just like, oh, that's not quite what I asked you for. Like, yeah, it never uh, quite I, like, lands. Yeah, yeah like, I, you know, I, I, I asked you to, you know, take over Germany or something, but I, I meant Germany. I didn't mean Poland. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, weird, weird example, but you know, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it never quite goes the way he wants. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, and maybe at the very end of the film, it comes to, like to a fight to the death between Sanjeev Baskar and the dog. And Simon Pegg's trapped in the middle. And it's mm-hmm. like, you have to choose between man's best friend and your actual best friend. Right, yeah, yeah. Because he still doesn't know that his friend is possessed by an alien. It's like, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it could just come down to that. And then eventually he chooses the dog and he makes the right decision. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the world is saved. But, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, 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 yeah, that no, was I like pretty that. much it, yeah. I mostly just like the idea of, like, a powerless man trying to destroy <laughs> the world. Yeah, someone with no influence. Nothing special about him. Whatsoever. Yeah, that could totally someone be completely obscure in a tiny little, you know, suburb of London, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right, really. So that was um, absolutely anything. Aliens Among Us. Very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. So mine, I've I've come up with a title because I always try and force one, but uh, it's not, it's, I'm, I'm not going to oversell it. Absolutely anything to absolutely not like the last one. Absolutely not like the last one. Well, thank the Lord. Yeah. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I feel like that's the selling point. Definitely. Yes, that yeah. should be the tagline. Yeah. yeah. So this time there's another council of aliens or whatever. Sure. I was going to say... Is it a sequel? Is it a direct sequel? Or is this a, a new version? Yeah, it's a, it's a sequel. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it, either, really. Okay. It's fine. 
but yeah, there's, a, there's another Council of Aliens or whatever, and I was going to say maybe it's played by a different troupe of comedians. Sure. Um, and so I was thinking the cast of Spaced. Nice, so, a good tie-in, yeah. Yeah, so, it's so Simon just a, a, little, a little connection, but I'm not planning any more Simon Pegg in this. Okay, so it's going to be like uh, Jessica Hines and yeah. I mean, Simon, Pegg's, Simon Pegg's in this as like a voice actor for this. Okay, but like, so Simon Pegg, Jessica Hines and Nick Frost and yeah, the other, yeah. The others. The others, yeah, sure. Yeah, Mark yeah. Heap, that's the guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, so anyway, uh, the same thing happens again and um, they decide to grant powers to a random human being. Okay. But this time I thought that we could... We, we, we try and see what happens if they just give the powers to a random TV personality. Oh, okay. They can be real or they can be fictional. So... And, I, and I've got a, I've, I've got a list here of, okay. of people that we can go down. But if you think of any, mm-hmm. then feel free to shout them out and we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go with okay. that. Okay, well, hit me with something to get us... Let's get the ball rolling. You start. Okay, so the first one, Bear Grylls. Oh, okay, so you're talking actual TV celebrities, not like TV characters. Both. I, I've got well, characters mixed. on this Okay, too. right. Okay, sure. Bear Grylls. So Bear Grylls becomes the most powerful man mm-hmm. on the planet. Yes. I feel like that would not go well. <laughs> I feel like he'd turn us all into like weird survivalists who have to eat, our own, who have to eat their own oh, poo and drink their God, own Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he becomes like a, like a despot of, um, of naturalism and survivalism kind of thing. Yeah, I th- it, it would certainly change the whole world. It would. But just like maybe we'd all become completely self-independent, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't look great. Like he'd, he'd probably wish that. And then suddenly he'd realised like, oh my God, humanity is disgusting now. Yeah. Like it's not just that we're all eating and drinking. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's we're no longer living in houses. There's not enough yeah. space for anybody because, of, well, maybe everybody's equally spaced out or something and it's just mm-hmm. all ridiculous. Like there's no social life between anybody anymore. Nobody's having fun. Everybody's extremely unhappy mm. and the world becomes a terrible place. Yeah, yeah. No, I like the idea that the aliens choose Bear grills at random. They mm. look at the earth. They look at people living their cosmopolitan lives, you know, mm-hmm. in cities, whatever, working the nine to five, whatever. And they're like, oh, let's just pick a guy at random. That guy, he'll do. Yeah. Okay. And then they get distracted. Like they switch off the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and do something else. <laughs> a week yeah. passes. Oh, now Earth's doing tune and everyone's gone fully feral. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah. They chose the wrong guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I like that. That's good. Okay. Next one I've got here. Well, I've got I've got loads here. Um, I'm not going to read them all out because okay. good. You won't want that for editing reasons. No. Did you watch Tiger King? Of course. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Oh gosh. Wow. <laughs> what a world that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't know where you'd go with that though. Like so. See now, I didn't fully watch Tiger King. I only sort of partially watched it, so I need to leave this one with you mostly. I don't know. He was just. Would he just wish for more tigers, or would he become president, or what? What? what he, yeah, this? he did run for president. So he actually becomes the president then. Yes, because he was running for president. Yeah, I feel like he would just be a crazed dictator with just like sitting on a throne with tigers, you know, stroking all of his tigers, <laughs> all kinds of like impressionable young boys who he was. Yeah. Oh dear. He was. Yeah, he wasn't a nice man. Yeah. No, I didn't just get that impression. Carol Baskin's head on a stick. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would again. It would end with just like tribal chaos. He would not be a good leader. No, definitely. He would destroy. Not. He would destroy humanity in like three wishes. Yeah, it wouldn't last. It yeah, would not last yeah. It. So there wouldn't be many of us left. No, 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 it no, would no. just be him ruling over lots of big cats. Basically, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, so to go into a fictional character here, mm-hmm. I've got uh, Piper from Orange Is the New Black. Okay. Why so, Piper? Because. Everything always happens to Piper mm. 
from the context of this show, like, oh, no, what, what, what am I saying there? Piper's always the one who gets everything. Yes, okay, sure. Because like, she's the privilege of that show. That's, that's her character. So in this, Piper now becomes omnipotent. So she, she's like the, the she, omnipotent face of white privilege. Yes. yes. Okay. And she can do anything. So yeah. we could also talk about other characters' reactions to that. Just like, of course Piper got this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe like nothing changes because she, yeah. she just inherits the world of like white privilege. And so white privilege continues. Like she gets it and she's like, I'm going to make things better for everyone. And then she promptly forgets everyone else. Nothing changes. Makes it all about herself. Yes. And all the other characters are just like, as usual, they don't even get out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're all just super bitter. <laughs> But then eventually all... Maybe what, that's what actually happened in season six. Probably, yeah. yeah <laughs> you good. know, when she gets out for no reason. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because she's white. She's well, white, yeah, yeah. And middle class, yeah. but yes. Or maybe it could be like a parable for how Orange is the New Black as a show panned out and it starts out, she gets all the powers and then all the black characters, that they actually manage to steal the powers from her and then make it all about them. Ah, and yeah, she yeah, becomes, yeah. just becomes the annoying side character who no one really cares. Like, shut up, Piper. No one cares about your story anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I like that. I like that. Joey from Friends. Joey from Friends. Okay, I think this would be almost exactly the same as my plot with the dog got it. <laughs> Come on, if any TV character is basically a dog in human form, it's Joey Tribbiani. Yeah, Come on. yeah. Everything, the whole planet would be food. Yep. Yeah. Yep, it would all be pizza and yeah. other, other Italian foods. Yeah. Um, I think it'd work out. He seems like a pretty harmless guy. Yeah, yeah he, he, he generally means well. Yeah. It would just he, be like he, a dog he, being he, in charge. He, he, he does get a bit iffy at times. Yes, of course. I mean, it, it, it's the 90s. So. Yeah. yeah, maybe he takes it back to, he, he turns the world back to the 90s. Oh, it's just constantly the 90s. Yes. All the friends cast, they're all living in apartments around him. Yeah. You know, everyone he gets the lives gang in back together. Everyone lives in apartments way bigger than they could realistically afford. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, there are no black people. No. Not because he hates them, just because he just doesn't think about them. Just, they just, just, they just, just cease to exist because yeah. he stops thinking about oh, them. God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, he, it just, the world becomes like safe 90s friends zone, basically. Yeah. yeah. Everything has a laugh track. Yeah. <laughs> His enti- <laughs> the entire world suddenly develops a laugh track. Yeah. Wait, sorry, you're saying that the whole friend series was within Joey's head? Basically, well, my... Was the laugh track Joey's monologue? I'm thinking, yeah, basically. It, <laughs> the world he creates subconsciously is just a, a very soft 90s sitcom. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, I knew that'd be your favourite. So. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think you'll like this next one. Mm-hmm. Jezza Kyle. Who? Jeremy Kyle. Oh, Jeremy Kyle. Okay, I didn't know. I thought he meant like some kind of god from the Greek, like Jezekiel. What's a Jezekiel? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Lord of the Rings supporting character? Uh, Jer- Jeremy Kyle. Oh, I hate him. Yeah, um, I know me too. Everybody does. But what would happen if, if he had these powers? So he becomes like the grand arbiter, like Solomon yeah. kind of thing, where he's just constantly sat on his throne judging Solve, judging judge, whether people are good or bad yes solving people's disputes but actually making them a hell of a lot worse yeah yeah and again that would <laughs> oh, that would not last long because it would cause world war three yeah. just immediately just causes war yeah yeah father against son mother against daughter everybody just yeah everybody hates yeah. each other yes just i'd say that he probably like just snaps his fingers and just makes everybody have some sort of drama against the people they're closest yes, to yes yes absolutely everything's just all for ratings yeah yeah wow That'd be bleak. I'd love to watch that world, though. I'm sure you would. I would want. I would want no part of it. But. Have you ever watched Jeremy Carl? I really can't. Those kind of shows, like, I just cannot. I see, actually, they bring me out in hives. Like, see, now I would never turn it on, but also I feel like if you'd it, never turn it, it off, if, if it was it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just can't. I just can't delve into that world. It's just too, too, too depressing. Sure. It's sure. the same reason I can't watch like the Real Housewives of X City. Mm. It's just too much shouting. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, Moss from the IT crowd. 
Okay. Everything is uber literal. Yeah. The nerds inherit the earth. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Everyone wears, ju- every, everybody has to wear like white, <laughs> very, very plain white t sh- buttoned up shirts and, you know, shirts and ties. And yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what do you say happened to him specifically? Like, I don't think he'd handle the power very well. Do you think that he'd stay exactly where he was? Yeah, that's, I think he would not welcome that level of power. So initially no. he really likes it. Yeah. Because he makes everyone behave like him. Mm-hmm. And he turns, the, but then it, it becomes overwhelming and he tries to hide from it. And he ends up just hiding in this basement where he's already mm-hmm. always worked, trying to hide from the fact that he is essentially God. But he can't hide because, you know. Yeah. He, he, he's God. I could see him, I, I could see him saying things like, oh, I just want everything to be back to normal forever. Yes. And then it's like, forever yeah that's it because he's so literal minded yeah he can't rephrase in the way he wants to yeah he can never he always says it a little bit wrong and it ends up he's just trapped in this loop yeah yeah yeah. and maybe like jen is and rory are trying to like coach him to <laughs> just 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 say this and he just they just cannot get him to say the they, they, they know the exact right combination of words that will get it right yeah of course they, they would cannot yeah get him to say it yeah just it's just impossible it's driving them nuts yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah cool 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 it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. D. Um, D. Oh gosh, that's the darkest timeline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think whoever you would choose on Always Sunny, it would be an apocalyptic event. They would I feel all like it works destroy, for any of them. They, they would all destroy the world in a matter. You could have that as a really fun like episode or like the movie. Where, Definitely, yeah. Where each one of them individually develops godlike powers. Yeah. And each in their own way brings about the destruction of the universe in a matter of like 12 minutes or something yeah. like there's just it all falls apart so fast in the, all in their own ways but they all yeah. just destroy humanity okay well who do you think would go best max you could even think about side characters sure like cricket for cricket. example that wouldn't go well that'd go awfully that'd be a horrible situation it'd be like the, the dog situation again wouldn't it, it well yes Where, whoever you choose and there are no redeeming characters in that universe see now i was thinking d because i feel like her main thing would just be to make all the other characters like just to, to worship her. Yes, of course. And then see how that goes. Like we've kind of seen how like worshiping goes in this yeah. in this. It's never or, a good, yeah. Um, absolutely anything universe. Mm. But yeah, just I feel like what would she what would she do with it? I think she becomes the queen of the birds, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think her general narcissism just takes over, and yeah, she she wants everyone to worship her, but it all back it all backfires. She can't make it work. Maybe they all rebel and end up like burning her at the stake or something well maybe it just turns out that she doesn't like it when they like her yeah because deep down she doesn't like herself yeah yes exactly so being worshipped is fun for a minute but then it quickly becomes unsettling and because she yeah. doesn't like herself fundamentally she ends up destroying the entire fabric of the universe so, yeah. <laughs> i could see it going like first of all she makes them like her and then she doesn't like that she's like okay no. make them hate me again and then like they hate her but like way worse than they did before she, it, and it just keeps spiraling like one way or the other but it's just worse each time no I'll tell you what i've changed it each one of them including d mm. has that power for a brief amount of time starts off creating their own personal heaven yep. end up inadvertently creating hell on earth yeah like full hell on earth you know? yeah but they find out that they're actually quite comfortable in hell and they just stay in the bar. <laughs> and actually it's the it's the best place for them. They, they, they all just go to hell. They barely notice the difference. They just they're just running <laughs> the bar in hell. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. I really like that. Um let me see what else I've got here that might be good. Nah, I think we peaked with that last one. Okay, cool. I I I, I, I don't see us breaking that one, so uh yeah. Let's quit while we're ahead. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I like that. I think you're right. This 
this concept there, is, are, there are loads more that yeah, you could do it's not a flawed concept it's just not executed well in this specific film but you could do it better in other things i think yeah. something like always sunny or, or friends in a weird not that friends would ever go that weird but no. yes i could i could see that yeah yeah well very good so yeah that was technically absolutely anything too absolutely not like the last one okay which is all anybody wants for a sequel of this movie yes if anyone in the world wants any kind of sequel to this movie that's what they want probably. absolutely not like the last one yeah cool sounds good <laughs> well not really but you know. <laughs> it's, it sounds better than the original it sounds like it's a and, thing, that, yeah. and that's all anybody can ask for indeed right. uh, okay should we move on to listener submissions okay so i've got a few here most of them are reviews um yeah i had mostly reviews a lot nobody was crying out for sequels this no <laughs> So I've got Andrew Gibson. I'm going to rush through these. Sure. Andrew Gibson says, This movie was fine, but incredibly forgettable. I do remember a bit where I think the dog attempts suicide, or maybe he stopped Peck from doing it or something, which is very awkward given William's situation. Yes. So, yeah, there's definitely that. Lee Wilson says, Apparently nothing, nothing apparently. Oh, that's a song. Okay, sure. Apparently nothing. No- it's the brand new heavies. You would not know who they were. Huh. Sure. It's a banging tune, but before your time. James McLean says, Absolutely Biscuits, a prequel of What's His Name the Dog, as we find out just how his obsession with biscuits began. Okay. I saw this on a plane and got a few good laughs, but that's the main part outside of the pretty great alien sketches I remember, so obviously he should star in the next movie. I mean, if you thought the alien sketches were the best part of this movie, I don't know what to tell you, really. Wow. And the last one I've got here from Hunter Scott Hansen is nothing at all nothing just just a blank screen just yeah. two hours of blank screens yeah. improvement on this movie yeah. Great. or just not even a sequel yeah just just let it go imagine Some, that sometimes just let it die yeah uh okay john it's official what this this podcast is longer than well let's see how the edit works yeah. out but probably yeah <laughs> uh, okay i have a, a few as well i only had the one sequel pitch i also had a few just general reactions so i'll read out the reactions yeah. first anna de carlin durkin said my father is convinced that this is a good movie and his only argument is that it has such a good cast that it just has to be. <laughs> oh, hope springs eternal. Bless. Jack Fitzpatrick said, yeah, I was really disappointed. From a premise where literally anything can happen, nothing actually happens. That's true. <laughs> Eric Elvadson said, marginally fun premise that's utterly wasted on incredibly obvious sexist crap. Yeah. It felt more like an Adam Sandler movie than a Monty Python movie. Now, that is a good observation yep. and yep. a deep dig. I think the thing that makes this the worst film that we've done on the podcast, mm-hmm. when you compare it to Lesbian Vampire Killers or Sausage Party... Is the potential? or lack I, I, I don't think that love actually really counts because I no. don't think that's outrageously bad. No, that's more of a me thing, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, I pretty much agree with all the reasons why you think it's bad, but mm-hmm. uh, I think the reason that this is the, the worst of the, the, the top three there is that this one had the potential to be so much better. The cast yeah. is great. Yes. Whereas Sausage Party and Lesbian Vampire Killers, the cast, you know, they're all great in their way, but they're not above those films. No, exactly, yeah. Like, when you look at, like, Seth Rogen and James Franco and stuff like that... They're just doing like, what they do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what that's they it, do. That's, that's the that's depressing thing. You're watching a bunch of really talented actors just to go through the motions on this. And that's, yeah. that's more depressing yeah. than watching, like, bad actors give bad performances or actors just doing what they normally do whether it's either funny or not yeah sure i agree that the, the potential is what really kills this mm. um harry cullen also said watched watched on a plane wish i hadn't <laughs> i guess this film's really raking in the dollars on the planes <laughs> and uh, jack w davenport said i didn't mind it 
That's the highest praise I found on my one. Wow. Uh, but finally, our only sequel pitch, if you're on, on Twitter, was from MovieList, at MovieList, said, The aliens return to test if their equipment may have been flawed in the first experiment. <laughs> they bring back Simon Pegg and bestow the power this time on, on his entire town and make it his responsibility to teach and train everyone to work, use it responsibly or okay. else. That's actually a damn good sequel pitch. That sounds all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, Simon Peck has to teach a whole like, town. Like a mentor kind of role for Yeah, him. an entire town. Think of like the different personalities from like old women to like little kids, teenagers, yep. whatever. Yep. All get omnipotent powers and he has to teach all of them. And he's a teacher as well, so you know. I'm just dying for Edgar Wright to be a director of this sort yes, of thing. Yes, he could salvage, he could he, have salvaged this. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, different life. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave us a five-star review, which really helps us to attract new listeners and stay in the top rankings. So please do consider doing that. We're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would raise us more than five stars if they could. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, yes. Harry, it's a me choice, I believe. Okay. And so this film was really a bit of an insult to the memory of Robin Williams. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. You know, this is, <laughs> yes, definitely. I feel bad. I would feel bad if this was our last Robin Williams film. So I'm going to counter this okay. with a good Robin Williams film. One okay. of my favorite Robin Williams films. I don't think you've seen it. Maybe you have. But I think you. I hope you'll enjoy it. Sure. This is a film called The Fisher King. I've not heard of it. You don't know it? Cool. Great. Go in blind. Good. Okay. The Fisher King. It's a good film. It's not a bad film. It's a good film. Okay. Genre. Kind of quirky romantic comedy drama. I think it's directed by Monty Python. I think it's Terry Gilliam. Let me just double check. So that's another connection. So it's a perfect choice in that sense. I'm pretty sure it's a Terry Gilliam film. Uh, let me just check. The Fisher King. Yes, it was directed by Terry Gilliams. This is actually even more perfect as a sequel. Oh, right. Yeah. So directed by a Python, starring Robin Williams. Yep. Came out in the 90s, back when both of those characters were firing on all cylinders. Yep. The Fisher King. I really like this film. I've not watched it in a long time, but I really used to enjoy it. Hopefully mm-hmm. you will too. Or maybe you'll hate it as much as I hated this, which will also mm-hmm. be entertaining in its own way. We'll find out. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Well, you see, you're you're coming into this with a good energy, expecting that it's going to be a good film. Yeah. I, I noticed you've given the caveat of like I've not seen this in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes things don't age well. But, but yeah. uh, I, I I just want to clarify. I never thought that this film <laughs> was going to be a good film. Okay. <laughs> I I didn't I didn't choose it because I thought it was going to be a good film. I thought it was going to be a good time. Duly noted. Okay. Fine. Was this film a good time for you? This podcast was a good time. Okay. Uh, you know what? You asked me at the beginning. I said I would wipe yours of existence. I take it back. I'd still erase uh, this film. You can stay. Okay, okay, cool, okay, cool, cool, cool. You've well, redeemed yourself somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I'll take that. Cool. <laughs> Great. Well, join us next week, listeners, for The Fisher King. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Shut the fuck.